Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Hi, this is Matt. I'm on holiday at the moment, but I want to make sure that you've got plenty of recruiting future content to listen to until I'm back. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to republish some of my favourite episodes with conversations that you may have missed the first time around. This week's replay is my conversation from earlier in the year with Maggie Spong, VP of Talent Acquisition at AstraZeneca. It's one of the best examples I've had on the show for a while of a company developing holistic, long-term strategic solutions to deal with ongoing skill shortages. It's well worth a listen, even if you heard it the first time around. Next week, I've got a new interview for you, and then the show will be back up to two new episodes a week from the start of August. Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it. Talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling and candidate Q&A so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 404 of the Recruiting Future podcast. It's only January and it's already clear that the Great Resignation will continue to be a huge talking point in 2022 as companies fight for the talent and skills they need. However, some employers are already reframing this challenge as a fantastic opportunity to attract talented people they might not have previously persuaded to move roles. This isn't easy. And obviously, employer brand and employee experience are huge factors. However, there is a lot that talent acquisition teams can be doing to stand out from the crowd by focusing on the areas within their control that make a real difference. My guest this week is Maggie Spong, VP of Talent Acquisition at AstraZeneca. 
AstraZeneca has certainly been thrust into the spotlight by the pandemic. But they've also spent the last few years developing several initiatives to differentiate themselves in their talent markets. In our conversation, Maggie shares a number of these, including their Talent Scout program, building a personalised and inclusive candidate experience, and focusing on training and development for their talent acquisition team. Hi, Maggie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Right. Thank you. Yeah, really good to be here. So my name's Maggie Spong and I'm the VP of AstraZeneca for Talent Acquisition. And I've been at AstraZeneca for about five and a half years. And I'm responsible from sourcing all the way through to onboarding. So that's including employer branding, including candidate experience uh, for talent acquisition at AstraZeneca globally. So, you know, really trying to embed standards, raise standards and, you know, create um, a great candidate experience through that process. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm well, I know that over the, the last few years, there must have been a huge amount of uh, change and, and evolution in terms of in terms of what you do. Talk us through how talent acquisition has evolved at AstraZeneca. Where, where did you start from and, and where, where have you got to now? Yes. So during those five and a half years, and I'm sure everybody listening will will um, understand this, it's definitely been a journey. Um, and when I joined in 2016, I would be, you know, fair to say recruitment wasn't in a good place. So, you know, it was basically around 10,000 hires um, that we were doing, um, but we were doing them mainly through third parties, through agencies and headhunters. And so basically, I've come in and I've moved that model with a great team around me to an in-house model where we are doing the majority of the recruitment. You know, so it's taken five years to build recruitment up into a really good place. And that's, you know, almost saying describing that as professional recruitment in-house. And our goals are that we want to be a world-class talent acquisition function partnering with the business that's the most important thing that we need to add value to the business and by doing that we deliver the right hire in the right place at the right time and at the right cost so you know from 2016 making 10,000 hires to 2021 we're up to about 24,000 hires now Um, and of course we wouldn't be able to have done that as um, efficiently or effectively as we have now, if we had had the same model we had five and a half years ago. So, you know, it's been a it's been a really amazing journey, but with some great people on the team to help deliver that. And what do you see yourselves doing that's sort of different in talent acquisition? How are you kind of really standing out? Yeah, so I do think we are doing some things differently, but of course, recruitment is recruitment. So you have to go through a process which all of us have to do. But I would say what is different about us and what is leading edge is around our use of talent scouts. So like I said, in 2016, we were 90% dependent on external headhunters and agencies. And today we have a target of being 10% or less dependent and we are achieving that. So, I mean, you can imagine with that comes huge cost savings. So that's the right cost piece of our mantra you know right hire right time right place right cost that really supports that piece of our of our ambition 
But our talent scouts, they really, they rebalance the reliance on external headhunters or search companies, and they're employed by AstraZeneca. So they have a deep understanding of our business needs. You know, they're committed to just AstraZeneca, which is is very different. You know, if we're using headhunters and agencies, they're obviously working for our competitors as well. But they focus on building the external pipelines where there are gaps of internal succession planning. And that's for the critical roles, but it's also for roles, you know, roles that are hard to fill. So they focus on all of that. And I would add that we still value our partners, our headhunters and our agencies, because we do still need them. And we don't claim to be able to do everything ourselves. So we have much less partners to work with now. And that was another huge part of the journey. But we really value them. You know, we don't want to make that feel like we don't need them. We do still need them. But just as an example, our talent scouts probably hired about 160 people during 2020, as an example. And that saves about 16, 17 million. You know, it's um, it's amazing the amount of money that that, that can save. So just the other thing that I, I really think we are aiming to do differently, and I think we do a good job, but there's always room for improvement. I'm just so passionate about giving every candidate a great experience, and that is whether they're successful or not. So obviously, we don't, we're not able to hire all the people that apply to us, but we want to be respectful and we want to give them a really good experience. So we commit to creating an authentic, personalised and inclusive candidate experiences. And I think a lot of people will agree with me in recruitment. We don't always do a good enough job about this. And I say to my team and every global call that I do and every opportunity I get, put yourselves in the shoes of the candidate. How would you feel if it was you going through a process and nobody's keeping you up to date? You know, you don't know if you're, you've got an interview or not. So I, I really drive that very strongly across our company. And um, I do know that people appreciate that. Can we just dig into that a little bit deeper? Tell us about some aspects of that candidate experience. How do you, what is it that you do that ensures people have that great experience when they apply for a job with you? Yeah. So first of all, it's like really about, we have minimum standards across our process. So if somebody applies to us, we have a timeline of when we will get back to them. So obviously everybody gets an automatic reply when they apply to our systems but we mean like we will review their information and we will go back to them with a with a response, you know, within five days. So that is to say we've got your application. We're either we're still reviewing it or we would like to invite you for an interview or a phone screen, etc. So we have minimum standards along the process. So another one would be at interview, we commit to giving people feedback if they have had an interview with us. And that is either from the person who's interviewed them, the leading interviewer, or we do that because we feel it helps people if they um, get the feedback about what they could have maybe done differently or why they may not be going through to the next stage or even if they are going through to the next stage. So really what we commit to is these minimum standards along the whole process 
where we are communicating and keeping in touch. And it doesn't sound a lot, but actually that's one of the most important things about the candidate experience. Just going back a step, we did um, a huge survey out to around 20,000 candidates, and this is last year. And we asked them where things were going well and where they weren't going well. And they gave us all that feedback. And that is what we have incorporated into our minimum standards. So it isn't just us coming up with this. We have asked the candidates where they felt we weren't doing a good enough job. Now, it's obviously been a very challenging couple of years for everyone, for employers in in lots of industries. But I would imagine that for AstraZeneca, there have been some unique challenges over the last over the last sort of 18 months, um, two years. Talk us through the the challenges that you face and the, and the challenges that you're that you're facing and, and and where you see the opportunities. Of course, I mean it's not been an easy time for for everyone, has it? It's been a really difficult few years. But and I I would say as an industry, I think recruitment. The challenge first of all was that you know we weren't able to do face to face interviews, but everybody pivoted so well to, um, you know, doing virtual interviewing, virtual onboarding. So I think that was a challenge, but I I believe as an industry and as a company, AstraZeneca, we pivoted to that literally overnight. So I think a challenge turned into quite an opportunity because actually it's made the process quite a lot better in many respects as well. But, you know, I think we've got um, a lot of um, challenges in terms of we do now attract a lot of people. So our our attraction rate, which is a positive, has gone up by about 20% over the last year because AstraZeneca's name is much more um, known now, whereas before we weren't so publicly known. We were more known for our oncology or our cardiovascular areas. But So it has created, it's, it's created a challenge because actually we're not necessarily attracting the right people now. So it's um, we've increased that, but we need to now look at that differently to say, right, we need to do a precision targeting approach because actually having 450,000 applications is amazing, but it creates a massive amount of work. So, you know, we are trying to say we need to help the candidates self-select themselves out if that's if the job isn't right for them so we really are looking at things like our job descriptions so that people can really understand if that's the right role for them and then focus on being transparent through the process to give candidates that authentic experience so you know we want them to really know what it's like to work for us because it won't be for everyone But, you know, we need people who want to come in and join us in our mission. So we hire great people, but we also we expect great things from them. So I would say that's one challenge. But we we also need to look at that as an opportunity. The great resignation. I I think everyone will have heard of this and it's, you you know, it's all over. It's a hot topic currently. Um, But as well as constantly shifting trends as the world continues to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic, Look, I see this as an opportunity. So if everybody's resigning, then we've got the opportunity to attract them and hire them. So, you know, obviously people have made life changing decisions during this difficult time um, and they won't all want to come back into the world of work. But 
I think a significant number of people are just looking for a change. And so we will be there ready to target those people that are right for us and want to come and join um, and join AstraZeneca. I think the fact we've hired 24,000 people so far this year, it does show that we are an employer of choice as well. It's been a massive workload for your for your team to be able to to be able to deal with that. And what role has technology played in terms of sort of helping you with with those challenges? Yeah, so obviously we we definitely use technology throughout our processes. You know, we um we're always trying to look for ways to improve. So we have the workday recruiting system and the workday HR system. So we optimize that at every step. We also have other tools that help us and and this is all part of us try, you know trying to give our own recruiters a good experience and giving them the right tools to enable them to do a great job for AstraZeneca and for our patients so yeah we have other tools like Beamery which is the um the tool that we use to have candidate pools and that is working really well you know we have we actually are just about to look at launching Paradox for our interview scheduling but you know there's a whole list of technology that we use and it helps us in our day-to-day jobs. Obviously one of the the big focuses for many many employers has been you know really looking very carefully at diversity and inclusion. How are you approaching diversity and inclusion? Yes, and this this is a really important topic for us and it has been for 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 years. It isn't that it's only just come onto the agenda, but obviously I think it's really a massive priority now. So what we've done with inclusion and diversity is we've embedded it into every step of our process again. So, you know, the same as we've looked at the candidate experience, we've embedded um, IND. So we make sure that our adverts are written in the right way so that we use Textio, so that we make sure that the language isn't male dominated or female dominated. You know, we make sure that that is the, the right language. We then, when people come through the process, when they're interviewed, we make sure that there's a diversity in the interview panel. It isn't all women, it isn't all men, there's different ethnicities. And we have like a saying, which is in our standards, interview with someone not like you. So people are really conscious that they shouldn't just be in interviews with the same uh, kind of person. They need to be making sure they're interviewing with somebody not like them. So that's some examples, but it goes all the way through our process. We also, we have invested, and this was um, in 2019, we have invested in a dedicated IND TAC centre of expertise. So we have somebody who oversees a small team she has three people on that team, but she is dedicated to IND and making sure that the processes, the standards, people are trained in talent acquisition and in the business. And we align with our central IND team to make sure that we are embedding anything that c- recruitment can help with. So, you know, we, we really have that into our ways of w- working. We monitor that and we, we have targets that we monitor as well so you know we really are paying a lot of attention to this and what opportunities do you see in brand advocacy yeah this this is really an exciting area so we tap into our employees as brand advocates so that they can help us attract even more great talent 
And, you know, more than a third of our hires come through our referral program, which I think is really impressive. Um, when a candidate is referred through that employee referral program, the time taken to fill a role is 20% shorter versus other forms of recruitment. So obviously, it also adds this huge benefit to the business in terms of that shorter time to hire. We've achieved um, awards in this referral program. We got a Brilliance in the Recruitment and Retention Award at the HR Brilliance Awards. And our referral programs encourage our employees to focus on their social media networks because that is a naturally more diverse talent pool. It is not a friends and family referral scheme. You know, it really is about tap into your social networks, not your, you know, it's not just your friends and family. And um, obviously we're asking them to help us scout for those potential recruits and it's working really well. Final question. What does the future look like for AstraZeneca? What's your focus for 2022? What do you hope is going to happen in the next 12 months? Yes, well, look, the landscape is changing constantly, isn't it? And we've talked about the pandemic and and I, I don't think that's going away too quickly, unfortunately. We've also covered the great resignation. And I've mentioned how passionate I am about delivering a const- consistently great candidate experience. And that's something that, you know, I would say that all talent acquisition functions in every industry could do better on and and focus on. But at AstraZeneca, we will continue to focus on that candidate experience. You know, even things like data quality, it sounds basic, but unless we have the basics right, we really can't be predictive. So, you know, we are focusing on those things. And obviously, our focus is create a great um, candidate story and an employee value proposition, target and attract the right people to our business, hire them, onboard them really well, retain them. And then, you know, that will make sure that we are continuing to hire the great people that can support our great business and deliver to our patients. So just one other thing um, that we do focus on is about developing our own tech teams and this is something, again, really important to us that we are we are hard to get into uh, from a TAC perspective. You know, the people that come to us, we put them through rigorous assessment and process to hire them. But we want really great people in our teams to deliver for AstraZeneca. Um, and so what I what I'm really proud of is that we have a fantastic onboarding program for them and we have a TAC Academy where we are training our TAC partners to be really um, efficient, effective, uh, apply those minimum standards all through the process. And, and, you know, what I feel passionate about is that we are developing the next recruitment leaders through these teams. And that's that means this standard of recruitment will continue. You know, ideally they stay with us, but if they go out into other industries and companies, I think that's also still a great thing. Just to give people a perspective, how big is your talent acquisition team? Yeah, so we have probably about um, 300 people uh, that report into me around the world. Um, And then we have, obviously, we have extra people that help with the administration side. But again, that's pretty automated. And people that support that are in places like Poland and Guadalajara. So yeah, it is, you know, it's quite a big team. Um, But obviously, we, we also have some of the smaller countries 
where they wouldn't necessarily be reporting into me or up into me. They'll still be doing their recruitment. But that just gives you a bit of a flavour of the size of that. Maggie, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome. Thank you for speaking to me. My thanks to Maggie. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.